Hi, I'm Michael Briggs, the Head of Engagement at the EMA, and today I'm joined by Sir John Bradbury, who's the uh, Growth Advisor of People Experience at the EMA. And you may recognize John and myself from before, um, many, many podcasts ago, um, as we began this series, and we were looking at dynamic workplace. And a whole series of concepts have been explored since then. And the first thing I might do, John, is can you just talk us through what you've covered? Oh, Michael, I mean, you know, to, to be very brief about it, really, I mean, we started off thinking about things like the four day work week and sort of flexible working patterns. Um, we looked at what it meant from a sort of recruitment perspective. We got a senior recruiter in to talk us through that. Uh, we got a very experienced HR professional to talk about some of the wider sort of HR impacts. Um, we explored um, what it meant actually in terms of office space and what was happening in terms of businesses in terms of that. Um, we talked um, about, we talked to an organisational psychologist about, you know, the challenges of teamwork and leadership when teams were, were not all in the same place at the same, mm. the same time. Um, we've talked to organisations about, you know, what the way the world of work has changed and what this meant has meant for their value proposition to existing employees and, and possible recruits. So it's really gone wow. off in a whole range of different directions. So um, it's a very interesting series. It is. And look, I mean, we, we began this series with the intention of not forming an opinion, but just presenting some, some, some current trends and data and information so members could, could do with it what they want. And, um, and, I, and I think we've definitely achieved that. But on the way, we've tripped over some of the solutions to this skill shortage and this well-being issue that, that is just blanketing the entire planet. So well, can I get some thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in terms of, um, you know, the well-being, which has, has definitely uh, been something that sort of, I suppose, risen up the agenda during the year, looking at um, the research that came out from uh, EMA's own survey on mm. that, NIB, um, and thinking about, well, you know, that, that cause of sort of stresses in, in the workplace about why so many of us um, have been feeling perhaps uh, under pressure physically or had some emotional effects from it um, is often to do with the sort of design of work. And okay. the biggest thing that's been impacting the design of work has really been the shortage of people to do to do work at the moment. So it becomes, you know, what could organisations start to do um, to address perhaps some, some very immediate presenting sort of needs in terms of people that are feeling a little bit more under pressure, but also what can organisations do to um, you know, help ensure that people don't start to feel burnt out and stressed out and can still come and give their best in the workplace and be their best selves at home. Brilliant. And look, I, I've got two examples that I'm going to share and and maybe get your comments on it. And the, the first is a, a nameless um, cafe brand that I, I rocked up to on the weekend and there was about 30 tables and 10 people in the, in the restaurant and they told me there'd be a 40-minute wait for food. So it's funny because pre-COVID, Michael would have said, no, I'm out. But post-COVID, Michael knew that would be a lack of resources or, you know, or the pressures. So I kind of said, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go away and think about it and I might come back. Are you seeing that still in, in evidence in the workplace? And you hearing that from members that they're still struggling to the degree they can't just provide a, a sort of level of service that's pre-COVID expectation? 
Oh, absolutely. These 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 sort of te- uh, these sort of things are very visibly affecting things like the hospitality and retail sector, which, in a sense, your retail your example straddles straddles the two of those. Mm. Um, certainly for for uh, retailers, for example, um, they're they're well aware that they're. Um, short of staff, uh, that leads to an impact of perhaps queues and frustration of customers growing. And um, in in turn, that leads to pressure on staff, which can lead to staff, more staff deciding (laughs) retail isn't for them and leaving, which again, completes that kind of downward vortex uh, of pressure for individuals. And um, certainly in the hospitality sector, um, yeah, huge, huge challenges there. Um, I, I could tell a quite lengthy story about my trip to Queenstown in the October school holidays, but um, you know the, the headline from that was it was very difficult to go out to a cafe or restaurant there uh, without pre-booking, um, and every single one of them had signs up look, looking for staff. So there are particular sectors that are continuing to be under pressure, and as the sector's under pressure, so the staff are under pressure too. Look, it makes sense. And another example was I, I ordered something online and um, they were out of stock, and then they, they wrote to me and said, look, it's going to be a week and a half just because supply chain issues. And, and, and I guess I'm raising these because what, what the podcast series covered was, was what people are doing to, to deal with these both from an internal perspective and with their clients, but nothing has changed yet. The, the, the problems still exist. And so I think the solutions that we covered in the podcast are still relevant. So what are, what are some of your biggest takeaways over this series? Like what for, for a businessman or for a businesswoman who's out there going, you know, give me, give me a summary, John, of what should I be doing? <laughs> well, I think there were two really great podcasts with two CEOs that came to us from very different perspectives, actually, originally. Uh, there was Gemma, Gemma Collins at Griffiths Equipment. Yes. And Gemma, Gemma was uh, suggested that we spoke to her because um, they, they had moved to a, a four-day working week in manufacturing in South Auckland, which was the sort of thing many people said couldn't be done. Yes. And um, we wanted to hear a bit more about that. And um, the other the other chief executive who spoke to was uh, Mike Marr from TPT Holdings. Okay. And, and, and Mike came to me originally and said, oh, you know, there's a lot of people sort of questioning this whole work from home and we're taking a view to bring people back to the office. So they were coming with some different perspectives. But what stood out to me in the conversations with both of them, was that it was it was to do with the leadership that they personally provided, yes. the way in which they supported and encouraged the development of their leadership teams, and in turn, what that set in terms of the culture in the organisation. Okay. So, you know, the way to approach these, these things, there is the kind of quick fix, do something here, do something there, but there seems to be a real thing about just taking it all up a level. Okay. And as Mike said in, in, in some of his marvellous sort of analogy uh, of sort of being surfing and you're out on the wave and you're waiting for the big wave to come and you're keeping your eye on, on the future, where you want to go, go as a business. And um, I think that whole piece around leadership, uh, culture and developing other leaders in your organisation, um, you know, a real sort of recurring theme in organisations that successfully navigating the challenges. Brilliant. And look, I'll, I'll continue your analogy. So if I look out on the horizon for the uh, night on the white horse to save my woes around skill shortages and, and, you know, employee issues, it's not coming. I mean, the answer is literally what what we've got now 
And so we have to solve solve these problems. Immigration is not going to come to the party anytime soon. Um, there seems to be, I've got a 21-year-old daughter and she's keen to work, but not at the same level that I was keen to work three jobs at 21. We just haven't got the people. So if something doesn't change, nothing's going to change. And, and where do you think the biggest changes are going to come from a from a system of work, a work design perspective? Oh, yeah, that's 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 a really big question, and there's lots of lots of ways to kind of chunk that down and think about things that um, you can do. And I think that's that's part of it is like think about what's within your control mm. and actually. Um, taking control of the situation. Uh, Mike Ma had a lovely uh, idea and concept ar- around things that I would wholeheartedly agree with, which is we don't participate in in recessions. <laughs> so first of all, you want to set your own sort of ground rules, your own parameters about about what you're go- what you're going to do. Um, and then, um, as um, Ian McGibbon, who who is a you know leading recruiter, mm. actually said, he he said it was all about thinking about developing your staff and for good. Goodness sake, he said, just make sure you're developing your staff and thinking about their skills and what what they can potentially do. So there's a real piece about um, sort of setting setting your direction, being quite clear that you're going to control the controllables and being clear about, well, what can our existing staff do? Because if you focus on that, you're going to keep them engaged, keep them in your organisation and and make the best of of the staff that you have. Brilliant, brilliant. I love the way you seem to have assimilated the knowledge of our, I think it's 13 series, all the people that we've had on. So it's really impressive your recall. (laughs) What is is one of the most memorable of the series? Like, is there anyone that you still think about and go back to? Ah, yes. Um, You know, at, at different times, Different ones kind of kind of pop pop in my mind. Um, I certainly very much struck by the one uh, with uh, Tina Evangelista from Sealink. Um, you know, an organ an organisation which. Um, you know, a, you know, providing ferries yes. um, and um, had to continue doing that dur- during COVID. Um, and um, as, as a business, you know, it's a very, very hands-on sort, sort of work. And, um, you know, in terms of what she did to influence change in, the, in that organisation, and um, she embarked on a process which she said with, with us was about um, des- designing an employee value proposition, but really it became a whole piece about not the output of that, but the process that you went through to okay. get there in, in itself builds engagement of people and got people excited about the organisation and built commitment. And even before they got to the point of launching their new employee value proposition, they were seeing employee, employee engagement go up in their, their scores. Right. So that, that was a, that, that's a story that, that sticks with me a lot. Brilliant. And every time I see a ferry, I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's really cool. Well, I know for a fact that um, you know, we, we were experimenting with the podcast series. Mm. We weren't sure what what the reaction would be, but we've had thousands of views of these of these podcasts. So I guess there's a there's a sense that um, this is something that our members want more of. And if you're out there, please comment in the um, tabs under the the video on, on Spotify and just let us know. Um, and also, probably what what things they want us to cover in the future. We we might have raised more questions than we answered. I'm not really sure. I, I, you know, looking back, sometimes I'm not sure. But we we 
certainly want to keep moving forward and touching issues that maybe the conventional webinar or an event's not, not going to cover. So what do you think are some of the things we could look at in the future, John? Ah, yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, this, this, this area is something where, you know, I thought you were being very ambitious uh, in terms of both the, the number of podcasts we could run and the audiences that we'd, we'd get for this. But um, I'm really happy to say I've been proved wrong on, on b- both those because every conversation we have seems to lead to another one, yes. seems to suggest another area, area to look into. Um, so um, we, we had things like when we're talking to people about the four-day working week, um, we start to hear about these things called gift days. Okay. And we start to ask people, well, what is it that you do on, on your gift days and what's, what's sort of possible there? And Jared Hart, amongst all his reams and reams of research and data about productivity and well-being and recruitment and retention, um, he came up with this lovely story about how somebody just um, used their gift day to spend more time with their partner, who's, who's a chef and um, how there's a, a very happy ending a, ending to that in terms of the family is no longer two it's, it's going to be three very shortly <laughs> right. so um, you know you start to uh, wonder well you know what what is it that we can do in in terms of the way of work, ways of works that's different there's been a lot of attention in the past perhaps on hours of work and when people talk about flexible working it's been about times mm. that people work um, what's really noticeable is there's lots of things about where work is done and okay. how work can be done effectively with, with that. And we we had a, a very interesting uh, interview with, um, or a discussion, I should say, really, with Matt Hockey, uh, who works for CBRE and is a sort of property manager there. Okay. And I really never expected in an HR kind of podcast series to be talking to, to someone like that. But, you know, with, with that, he was able to talk to things like, what are what organisations are doing to make their workplaces more attractive to the particular demographics that they want to work for them, mm. um, who will then come to work, enjoy being at work, and build collaboration through that? So, um, so I guess those are some of the sort of avenues we've gone gone mm. off in. Things that I guess I would like to to explore more in, more in the future would be, you know, thinking about, you know, this is a very uh, multicultural. Uh, 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 place in terms of in terms of Auckland and New Zealand in general yes. and just thinking about the um, uh, the things that organizations can do uh, to be, to better better address some of the issues around what's the representation of uh, Pacifica or Maori in, 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 your, in your organization and what would what would that kind of mean because these are growing populations mm. they're important populations to us as an organization that not only wants to grow business but grow communities too yes so, so Lots of different areas to go off on, but but that's an area I'd really like to explore a bit more. Brilliant. I mean, that sounds great. And we all know that the beauty of diversity, not not just in new thinking and, and, and decision-making and um, even challenges, just, just to make you stop and think, is this the best way just because we've always done it this way? So I really would love to, to see something like that in the in the series. But I want to stop for a second and thank all of the people that participated. So they were very generous with their time and expertise and, um, you know, they were, they were really full of knowledge on a subject that didn't really get a lot of mainstream sort of um, time. And I'm seeing it more now in the media and the press. And I think I like to think that we were, um, you know, riding, riding the trend and that we're going to continue to do that. So what is the next big thing? Even within a dynamic workplace, what are you hearing amongst these expertise in your conversations that we haven't yet touched? 
Well, um, one conversation that, that really stands out to me was, was with Melissa Crawford. So Melissa is very has a very interesting background in, in sort of HR and experience in that, but also in tech as well right. and technology. And, and she's really, um, you know, I, w- I would hesitate to say for certain, but to me, she seems like she's very much at the forefront of the thinking in New Zealand about the application of new technologies in okay. the workplace. And really, um, I found the the discussion with her quite sort of mind-blowing in terms of things I was hearing about there, about what might be possible, what could be possible, and even just quite simply what was what was being done, done already. Um, you know, um, it did. she did bring up uh, an example that um, maybe cringed slightly because it's one of my least favourite things <laughs> is going to the dentist. But she did talk about, you know, the way in which technology can be leveraged in those those sort of situations as well. Um, so um, I, I think there's lots of interesting stuff to come in, in the technology side. Mm. And, you know, obviously with, um, you know, a, effectively a shortage of people, which we know will be ongoing because yeah. of the, the, the net outflow in terms of, uh, of immigration. We, we, we as, uh, as New Zealanders, as people here, we really need to think about, you know, we, we, we don't have the money. So we, we've got to think and we've got to be a bit sort of smart. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Look, I love the dentist story because I love walking past and seeing a pain-free dentist sign in the window <laughs> and then realizing that for hundreds of years, we've just gone there accepting that we have to be in pain. Whereas they're now realizing that you spray a bit of water on the tooth while you're operating and yeah, it's pain-free. And I, and I bring that back to workplace. We've always done it this way. Yeah. And what's happened now is we're challenging that, but not, not for the wrong reasons, not because we're lazy or because you know we're, we're tired of this model. It's just because we think there might be a better way that makes us more productive, more happy. Um, we can just, you know, we have companies that, that, attract the top talent Um, and this is what this whole sort of dynamic workplace thing has been about so for you can you describe um, what what would be your ideal company in this current environment John what's the sort of what's the sort of place you would look to work for if you weren't fully invested in the EMA and going to stay here for 25 years. <laughs> okay. I was going to put that, put that to one side because clearly I, I would say working here um, and the, the, the excitement that, that we have around looking across the sort of range range of organisations. So, you know, I think um, what, what I notice about organisations in, in the general sense in terms of to look for an organisation that gives you as an individual a certain level of autonomy but, but balances that with giving you the right level of support. Um, that you look at, look for an organisation that has really thought about what what is the world in the twenty twenties and beyond going to be like, and making sure that um, the organisation has thought of that and provides you with the technology and support that enables you to do do that well. Great. So um, you know, I think there's there's things like that that um, organisations now uh, are more and more recognising. Um, you know, if you took a took a look at uh, adverts on on Seek nowadays you would notice that most of them now mention what their policy is on on flexible working or four-day work week or remote working or whatever. And why are they doing it? Well, basically because they had to, because if they didn't, uh, people would look elsewhere because um, we've all realised that that balance between work and home life and personal time uh, is one that's really important. And giving the right amount of time and giving that time when it's you're going to be at your best um, is the way in which you're best in, in all those facets of your life. Now, very good points. And look, well, I remember back when we, we did our first opening 
um, podcast here, we said that nothing's going to be off the table. We're mm. going to talk about everything. And so moving back to that, we have a lot of manufacturers and there was kind of, um, I heard some feedback that yes, four day work week, for example, it sounds like a really lovely idea for other industries, but not for manufacturers. We are manufacturers, we're output focused, we need people in the factory. And yet what I'm hearing um, there's a company in Germany who's, who's looking forward to coming to talk to, to us on, on a podcast who has actually increased productivity using the four-day week. There's a company in Japan that has a 64% increase in productivity um, doing a four-day work week as a manufacturer. So we, as, as a company that represents businesses and a lot of manufacturers, what would be your key message to them right now, the ones who are still sitting on the fence and skeptical? Hey, I think I think there's a word that you came back to in, in that conversation several times. And that was the word productivity. And it's like, let's focus on productivity. What is it that we can do that makes us more, more productive? When you look at the four-day work week, it's almost like, actually, let's just go past that as a slogan and think about when Andrew Barnes talks about it or when Jared Hard talks about it, he talks about um, you know, 100% effort, uh, 100% pay, and it's 80% of the time. And it's 100% in terms of productivity. And it's really, let's just make sure that that's what we're focusing on. So let's focus on productivity. How do you get there? And let's open our minds to think about what are ways that we can, we can do it. It's not, that's, the, the, the evidence is showing that organizations can get results through using the four-day work week methodology. There's other methodologies too. There's other things that organisations can do uh, to improve productivity, to improve engagement. Um, if I go back to the Gemma Collins interview, um, the, th the thing there that, that, that I was hearing from her was uh, there was a score that she gave about the level of engagement in, in the organisation. And she talked about that. That's where we were when I, I first I first went there. And it was okay. like this astronomically high score. I'm like, my goodness, most people are happy when it's above sort of 67 percent. They, they're in their 80s. Um, and then she talked about all the challenges of COVID, what they'd done there. And the engagement score went up again after after all okay. that. So, um, you know, there's lots of good things that you can do to sort of sort of measure and just think um, creatively, think um, uh, without being uh, a little funny about it. Think dynamically about your workplace. <laughs> think what could be done differently, um, and don't accept what's what's always been done in the past. Look for what are the ways that we we can do it better. I love that and. I think that um, there's a, there was kind of a presupposed idea that nothing's broken, so why are we going to fix it? Mm -hmm. And yet I'm, I'm reading data that um, up to 64% of, of an employee's day is spent on, on emails and tasks that are non-essential to the business and to achieving outputs or productivity, as you said earlier. So when we look at the fact that um, we've got into a routine or a system of work right now, which is not the most productive. And our, and our productivity rating in the OECD is, is proof of that. Um, I really do believe the answer is, is is something we haven't tried yet, something we haven't explored. And I just I would just like members to stay open to yeah. the idea of exploring this, even just through this podcast series and our future series, just as a as an observer and and a participant to ask questions and. 
you're, you've got a lot of expertise out there in our membership. So if you've got something to say or add, I'd, I'd invite you to contact us and we can get you on and, and John can, can talk to you. I mean, you can ask him all the hard questions. He loves hard questions. Isn't that right, John? <laughs> uh, yes, thank you, Michael. A little <laughs> bit worried what's coming next, having said that. But I've really <laughs> emphasised the point, point you've made there. I, I talk to a lot of our members about their challenges um, when they complete our maturity assessment or when they're uh, at, at events. Um, and, uh, you know, people are constantly raise, raising issues, but most of the time people have gone quite some way to solving those issues that themselves. Yeah. Um, and um, what we can often do is actually say, well, um, what we do know is there's another member over here that had a very similar problem and this is what they did. And quite often it's really as, as straightforward as putting some people in touch with each other yes. that have... Um, met the same challenges, have overcome them, and just give another idea of another perspective on things. Yes. Look, I think that's a, a beautiful idea. And I saw this in COVID in real time, just the, the member-to-member support of um, collaboration, sharing resources and documents and sharing answers to, to issues that came up. And there were issues that we'd never even conceive that we'd have to deal with, you know, with such as fake COVID tests and free <laughs> sick days. I mean, there was, we, we, it was really the new world order. Um, and I think, though, I think largely this dynamic workplace w- was existing. We know this existing, yeah. but I really do think it's been born out of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some great information about just really the acceleration of trends. I think really, you know, the amount of change that has happened. I think the other side of that that I think we need to be wary of is because of all this change, because of these focus on these areas, some of the... Um, you know, the nuts and bolts of business is, has, has sometimes been overlooked. Yeah. We're noticing um, uh, that one area that where this comes up a lot for organisations is around some of the performance management stuff, just okay. putting in place objectives for individuals that links through to the biz- business objectives that are then clearly communicated and monitored during the year. For various reasons, some of those disciplines have, have slipped a bit dur- okay. during COVID because sometimes it's been about, we just need to get things done. Sometimes it's been, well, I don't really want to deal with a performance issue because I'm better off having someone in and that's going to take up my time to, to deal with that. So, um, you know, to, and this reflects back to one of your earlier questions, that, that's an area I'd really like to explore a bit more about what organisations have done that um, sort of reinvigorated that area because I'm yeah. sure there's lots of people out there that would want to hear about um, getting better performance out of individuals because that lead and teams because that leads to, to productivity. Um, but also that longer term view as uh, about now, well, we've got through, we've got to through to the end of 2022. Maybe let's take a bit of a look at five, 10 years out and where we want our businesses to be there and what are the skills we will need there and how do we develop our people to deliver those things. Brilliant. Now, look, when we look at smart factories and industry four, what we're talking about is is not displacing people out of jobs, but maybe changing to more automation, more systems, so the people we've got can upskill and do more meaningful work. I I guess my question out of that is, what's the cost to become a dynamic workplace? Is it purely a change of attitude, systems and processes, or is there a material cost? Are you gonna have to invest in some way, whether it be the the design of your office or new technology? What are you hearing is the actual capital cost of becoming a dynamic workplace? Wow, that's 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 really that's that's interesting because there's um, I'd actually put the the cost part um, is often around leadership and management kind of training. So okay. it's not it cost in a di- different sense. To you ask the question there. 
Um, but it's it's that part. It's about really investing in, in your people, in your leaders and your managers to give them a wider skill set because, um, you know, the way the people that are managers and leaders now who may be people of your age or my age, we perhaps grew up in a different, different, different world. Um, and things things have changed now. Mm. So perhaps what we saw managers and leaders doing that led us. Those skills are coming under greater scrutiny now. We need a sort of wider skill set, more diverse skill set. We need to be better at sort of letting go as leaders and managers um, and putting in the checkpoints at the right time. So I think that's an area where um, what I notice really smart organizations are doing is kind of getting ahead of the curve there and making that sort of investment. Okay, brilliant. So were you surprised when this series came about by the amount of members or people you've contacted with that are already looking at this they might have already implemented it i mean i i I was surprised it's almost like when you want to buy a car all you do is see that car on the road (laughs) is that a similar experience for you oh it's 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 amazing you're absolutely right i mean many of the people that we've interviewed have really just come up with um somebody said oh you should talk to so-and-so about this um you know uh we we uh interviewed lucy sonamo jones from uh the psychometric uh, assessment firm, uh, Talogy. And they've done a huge amount of work in this area looking at um, the sort of skills that leaders needed, the way in which uh, sort of working remotely suited some people, didn't suit other people so well. So um, the amount of data that was there, you know, for somebody like me, was fascinating to get your kind of teeth into and start looking at. So lots of people are doing lots lots of interesting things. I think you know, through this podcast series, my, my hope would be what we've done is put information in front of our members uh, and people that have viewed these that have perhaps stimulated thought or maybe just, you know, they've watched a podcast or listened to a podcast, even not the whole podcast. They've just stopped when they go, great, I've got one idea. I can go away, try that out in the workplace. Yep. Look, that's a great idea. And I think we've made it easy. Um, Deborah, who's amazing, and and Jason behind this, this cameras here making us look good, which is hard at our age, John, as you earlier <laughs> referenced, um, they, they've done... Um, basically chapters of, of these podcasts. You don't need to watch the whole podcast. You can actually, you know, watch the beginning and then zero into to points of interest. But what I've found looking through them is that the conversations just go to places that are really interesting that I didn't even think I wanted to end up. So I would encourage you just maybe to download the Spotify and listen to the audio in your car and on the way to and from work. It's it's not onerous, but um, I do want to again say if you've got an idea that you want to see covered here, please please just contact us and we can do it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, you know, there's there's that thing like, you know, the more you find out about something, the less you realise you know about it. And that's very much been the case here. And I'm sure that there's people that are that are listening to this thinking, oh, why haven't they covered such and such? So it may be that there's something that people can suggest to us and say, well, I can come and talk to this or just to say, guys, you just haven't covered this area. And <laughs> yeah. that would be fascinating to go and have a, have a look at and see what's happening there. Yep, true. So, look, I think it's been about 13 podcast series. What's the strangest moment during the series? <laughs> ah, yes. Um, 
there's, there's, there's been there's been a few moments <laughs> where um, I've been sort of quite uh, surprised by the direction that the conversation has, has taken. People have sort of brought up something that I, I wasn't expecting. So certainly that story from Jared uh, sort of sort of stands the repopulation stands, of the planet <laughs> by exactly they were exactly. <laughs> I sort of hesitated um, and made a suggestion about what we should call that episode, but um, <laughs> that was vetoed. But I, I think you know it was a very sort of positive and surprising story. I think um, I, strangely the. The time I spent talking to Matt Hockey about office environments, it was absolutely fascinating to to sort of hear these ideas about, you know, this this kind of reversal of the idea that we want to make the office environment that really attractive to make sure that people come here and feel that it's it's a place that they want to hang out and want want to be. And I think what that really brought home to me is we've got so many different generations in the workplace. For different people, different things are incredibly important. And clearly, um, you know, we, we would know um, well, you have the example of a 21-year-old, so sort of people early in, in, in their work, working life. What they want very much is that camaraderie and that team and to see their yes. friends and see their colleagues and to do that in a, in a nice environment. So um, that, that podcast really got me thinking about um, it shifted my thinking from where I thought we were around property and the whole dynamic workplace thing was, well, you know, if less people are coming into the office, that's great for CFOs because you save a bit of money by cutting back on the space. Well, actually, what Matt enlightened me to, to, to realise is that organisations are spending the same amount of money, but on a smaller footprint. And it right. was all about the quality of the, the office environment. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I'm going to finish with one last question. It's a doozy. So... Whether or not people want to jump on board, that this change is coming in the workplace. We've seen it in Europe. We're seeing it in America. Um, and Australasia may be a little slow to, to take these things up sometimes and not because of, of resistance. It's just because we want to see more empirical data. You know, we're, we're kind of show me, don't tell me type of people, <laughs> which I, I, I love. But kicking and screaming, something is probably going to happen as far as how people work in the next 10 years. Can you describe what you think the workplace is going to look like in 10 years? Just just say for a service organisation. Absolutely. I mean, um, Melissa had some interesting stuff on this and... Um uh, Dr. Ellen Nelson also talked about this in terms of what leadership leadership would be like in the sense of perhaps sort of more, more dispersed sort of leadership, much more around sort of team making in terms of um, decision making um, and also much more about sort of the office as a kind of virtual place that you kind of go to or, or, or leave as, as, as needed. So um, I, th I think, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of things that have been talked about for many, many, many years around the change in the work, the workplace. I think um, we have trends now that, that are in place that have accelerated, and we're going to going to just see more of those. So. Um, what we will see is is much more use of our, our mobile devices to keep in touch with each other, much more use of those those sorts of technologies to um, get, get beyond the sort of annual engagement survey, which is a rigmarole for everyone, let alone HR that had to do something at the end of it, but much more about, okay, uh, smiley face, uh, unhappy face, how are you feeling today, yep. what's causing that, and uh, much more instant sort of course, course create, uh, course um, uh, redirection. Um, I think, uh, you know, for years people have talked about the agile organisation or be it being agile. I think now 
uh, organizations that will survive and thrive are those that are able to be be agile. They will set up things, try them out. If they work, they continue, yes. try and sweat them for more. If they don't work, they drop them quickly and move on to the next thing. So we'll see much, much more of that. And that's what work, the workplace will be like, I believe. Brilliant, John. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to check out the series if you haven't. There's plenty more to come. Um, let's try and get those views up to 2,000. That'll make Deborah very happy. And um, unless you've got anything to finish, I just want to thank the members for their time. And we will see you in our next podcast series. Yes, thank you very much for the opportunity to sort of, I suppose, uh, bookend this series that we started the conversation some some time ago. Obviously, thanks very much to uh, Jason and Deborah who've Jason. been hugely uh, supportive and helpful in, in running this series. I think also thank you to everyone that came in and gave their time so freely to discuss um, and really importantly, uh, thank you in advance to anybody that uh, comments and sends us in ideas for the next one. But seriously, thanks to everyone to listening to these. Um, we've really wanted to put information out to, to you to help you. And we wish you all the best in your, your future business activities and life. Brilliant. Thank you, John. <laughs> thank you, Michael.